Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Everyone in Montgomeryville doing good as well. Taylor killed it last week. Were you here last week? Taylor is like, so Taylor's voice is very soothing. It's like a great Dane, right? It's very soothing. My voice is like a chihuahua. And so... Sorry for what I'm about to do to you. I feel really calm, right? The music gets me, gets me going, then Taylor calmed me down. He speaks very calmly, full of wisdom, and then I'm like, whoa, 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 right? And so, so I'm back, right? I'm ready to go. And so it's good to be with you. I missed you guys last week, and I spent a week in the mountains. I feel really manly right now, and I'm ready, ready to go. And so, hey, next week, I want to remind you, we only have two services, July 4th weekend. We have a 9 o'clock service. Everybody say 9 o'clock. And 10.30, 10 everybody say 10.30. And so, so you're going to have to come a little earlier or a little later. If you come at 9.30, you can come in the middle. We're not going to let you in. And so uh, I'm playing, and so kind of. And so if you're in Montgomeryville, everybody is here in Phoenixville. Next week when you show up, everybody will get a free T-shirt, family reunion T-shirt. Uh, no matter if you're coming and to the park with us at 3 o'clock or not. But if you want to hang out with us, we're going to have two services here, do baptisms. Two different options for t-shirts, black and white, and then white and, and red. And so pick your t-shirt, all the kids, all the sizes for all the kids, and then meet us at the park in Limerick at 3 p.m. We're going to have all sorts of fun. You bring your own food, you bring a good attitude, and we'll have, we'll have, we'll have uh, our games there. We're going to have basketball courts. We have volleyball courts reserved. We have a pavilion. I don't know if you've ever been to this park. They have the, the biggest playground I've ever seen in my life. And so uh, it's going to be a fun time. It's, it is literally, it's like a big weird cult shows up to the park, right? All wearing the same shirt, but it's so much fun, right? And so some of you are like, I'm not wearing the shirt. You don't have to. You can still have a free one. Uh, but if you want to wear the shirt, uh, please do that. We're going to have a great time next week. Tell me the service times again. Nana. And what's the next one? There. There you go, man. So there you go. And so we are, uh, we're going we're to spend the next two weeks finishing out this sermon series called Life and Death, Life and Death. And so mm, Taylor talked about the power last week of sorry, sorry, the power of, of, of life and sorry. Next week, I'm going to go back to life. I'm going to spend some time on death, right, this week. And so, uh, but next week, we're going to take a look at the power of appreciation, the power of a thank you. Anybody ever, anybody ever experienced the power of a thank you? The power of being thankful to people in your life. It is, it, it is literally life-changing, the power of thank you. Uh, today, we're going to talk through the power of one area of death. And so it was between two. Uh, there was two areas I wanted to talk about. Because of time, because of something else we want to start in, at the week after July 4th, we're going we're gonna to talk about one area of death. I want to remind you what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs 18. It says, the tongue has the power of life and of what? So we've talked about life, right? The, the power of life, the power of saying sorry, the power of appreciation, uh, the power of life. Today, I want to talk to you in, in, on an area of death that, if I'm honest, the church is experts at. Like, I'm not, I don't want to talk about the world. I'm not a pastor that likes to stand up and bash people outside of the church. That's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to preach to people that are inside the church. I want to talk to you clearly about what Scripture says. And I want to talk to you about something that I wholeheartedly believe is one of the reasons that the church is not doing what the church is supposed to do in our culture right now because we have such a hard time with something I'll call gossip. Gossip. Gossip is something that the Bible uh, talks about a lot. 
Uh, but not only does the Bible talk about it a lot, I can find all sorts of articles online, all sorts of stats. I found, I found this one. I like this one. It said the average American church, inside of church, outside of church, we spend 52 minutes a day gossiping. An hour, so a lot of us sleep eight to nine to 10 hours. Some of you are like, I sleep six, whatever. And so like, right, we're, 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 we're awake two thirds of the day. One third of the time that we're away, or, or one, one of those, we're, we're, we're gossiping. We're spending an hour talking about other, other people. One person said this, he said, gossip is not, is what no one claims to like. Everybody's like, I hate gossip, but everybody enjoys doing Everybody enjoys doing it. And so the thing is, when I started thinking about something, I'm like, I, got, I started reading, I'm like, I got a lot of work to do. Like I started thinking about gossip. I started studying it in Colorado. I was sitting out by the mountains, drinking my Folgers, right? And like going through the Bible, taking notes, reading through, finishing the book, thinking about gossip. And all of a sudden, I, I realized, listen, gossip is pretty powerful. In fact, one word of gossip can tarnish a person's lifelong, hard-earned, good reputation. I started thinking about different examples. I don't know why I went back to the, the, the school bullying, because I think that's where it starts. You, ever, you remember being in school and people spreading a rumor about somebody that you actually still believe was true? Like to this day, sometimes you, look, you go and you go online and like another student took their life and, you know, why are so many students taking their life? What's the reason? It's probably, a lot of it probably starts with harshness and gossip. Like I started thinking, like, let's just call this girl Emma. Emma, she, she becomes the, the target of online cruel gossip and cyberbullying. Uh, false rumors begin to fly about her personal life and reputation, and they're spread all throughout the school. Everybody knows this about Emma, even though they don't know Emma. It leads to harassment, school exclusion, social exclusion, emotional trauma. Uh, academic performance begins to suffer because of this. She struggles with anxiety and depression as a result of this relentless gossip, ultimately affecting her overall well-being. Gossip. Started thinking about other aspects of, of gossip. You ever been in a, in a family situation where, where gossip just takes over? You ever have a friend, friendship where gossip, if you're honest, it was just gossip that destroyed? You don't even know if it's true. You just stopped talking to them because of gossip. Something you've heard them say about you? Gossip. Happens at work. There's people who actually lose their jobs because of false rumors that were spread about them at, at, at work. Gossip. Gossip. Go gossip, by the way, can be, can, be, can, be, can be false or true. It's still gossip. The Bible says a lot, about, a lot about gossip. It says, I mean, literally, I have pages of what the Bible says. Proverbs, though, is a book of wisdom. It talks a lot about uh, staying away from gossip. Watch what it says in Proverbs 16. A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. Proverbs 17 says, whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. What one guy said, he said, few friendships would survive if each one knew what his friend says about him behind his back. I started thinking about it. I read an article a few days ago when I was in Colorado, and it was an article on my Yahoo News, right? And so I always tell you, because that means I'm old, I go to Yahoo for my news. And so, and on my Yahoo News articles, it says, it had this article about how this, this man and this woman uh, were, were having a conversation about a family member, and they said her name, and the phone turned on by accident when they said her name, and it voice texted everything they said to the, to the girl or the sister they were talking about, and now the relationship is, is, is broken. Right? And so it was talking about being careful what you're saying because your phone might be listening to you and send it to somebody and ruin everything. I started thinking to myself, oh, crap. <laughs> what if everything that I said, what if it was transcribed and sent to the people I was saying it about? 
How many relationships in my life? How many, how many family members? How many, how many friends? How many church people? How many coworkers? How, how many coaches, right? How many umpires would never want to talk to me again? How many people would be like, I, don't, I didn't know you thought that about me? Gossip. And I guess the goal of my message today is uh, to get you to be what I would call grossed out by it. By the end of this message, I want you to have lost your appetite. Forgot, because a lot of us just have appetites for, for gossip. I want you to lose your appetite. I want you to have some self-awareness. I was on a plane this, this week, and on the plane, everywhere you look, especially in the bathrooms, there's signs. One of the signs says, no what? No smoking. I started looking at that, right? I'm like, well, when did that start, right? Because in the, I watch movies in the 50s, everybody's smoking, right? In the 50s, 50% of America's population smoked. They smoked in bathrooms. They smoked in I think hospitals, right? They, they smoked in restaurants. They, they, they smoked in their houses. They smoked er everywhere. Stuff started to evolve. People started to be, get aware. They started saying, man, this might not be the best for us. And so maybe you should smoke outside or maybe you shouldn't smoke in restaurants. Today in 2023, only about 15% of the population smokes. Why? They educated it on us. Uh, uh, educated us. They, they said, this isn't, this isn't good for you. This is expensive. This is probably not a great habit. This causes cancer. And so a lot of people are like, you know what? I don't have an appetite anymore for, for, for smoking. Like, I'm, I'm going to quit the same thing. I want you to develop an appetite that is almost grossed out by gossip. I want you to begin to go, oh, man, that doesn't, doesn't feel right. Coming out. It doesn't feel right to listen to that. I want you to be grossed out. Anybody ever been grossed out by something before? I remember when I was, I, I get grossed out easy, by the way, just so you know. And so like, I can lose my appetite really easy. And so, uh, but I remember when I was a young kid, I went to, I went to the Boyertown Fun Dates. From Boyertown, you've been to Fun Days before. And, I, and Fun Days, I think it was Fun Days, maybe Sidewalk Sale. There's so much going on in Boyertown, I can hardly remember. And so, but I think, I think it was Summer Days, might have been the Sidewalk Sale, I don't remember. But they have a little game there where you threw ping pong balls and you can win a goldfish. Remember that? Every year I would go win a goldfish. Well, I remember being, get, getting old enough where my, I won a goldfish. My, I was like, can I get, a, get an aquarium? Can I set this up? So let me get this little aquarium. I got this little plant, some stones. I put this goldfish in my, in my house. And you know when you get those goldfish from those places, they die in like three hours. You know what I'm talking about? So it died. My parents said, this is your responsibility to clean this up. And so I had to, I had to figure it out. And so I went into the drawer, and they had two size spoons in their drawers. They had big spoons. They had small spoons small spoon. So I got one of the big spoons. I scooped the goldfish out. I put it in the toilet. I sent him to heaven. I put it in the toilet. I flushed the toilet and sent him to meet his maker, right? And so, and, and then I, I washed the, the spoon off. I put it back in the drawer. And for the rest of the time that I was in their house, right, uh, I never used the big spoons again because I didn't know which spoon it was to touch the goldfish. <laughs> Even today, I'm like, I, I don't want a small spoon, mom. And so small spoon, I don't know if they're new. And, and so, like, it just lost, I, <laughs> I lost I don't know if they're here today, right? I lost my appetite. I lost, I lost it. And so uh, I want you to lose your appetite. I, I, want, I want this to be something, because it's so normal for us to, to God. I want it to be something biblically. We go, man, I don't have an appetite. As a person who's fully devoted to my walk with the Lord, I don't have an appetite to gossip because I know what the Bible says about it. So let me just give you a few thoughts. They're, they're actually answers to questions, right? Here's the first one. What should I do if I'm a gossiper. So here's the thing about it. If I said to you, how many of you are gossipers? Nobody's going to raise your hand because somebody's going to gossip about you behind you, right? See how they raise their hand right there? So what do I do if I'm a gossiper? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to establish what gossip is and what gossip, 
gossip isn't. Can we, can we, can we do that? Here, here's what gossip is. Gossip. Gossip often makes a pretentious uh, concern. It comes off as a pretentious concern for other people. So here, here's how it works. You leave, you, leave, you go to your friend's brand new house. It's way bigger than your house. It's so beautiful, right? You're not sure how they did it. You're not, you don't, you don't even care. You leave, you get in the car with your spouse or your friend and you're like, hey, I just, I'm just concerned about them. I don't know if they can afford all that house and I'm just really concerned about them. You ever been there? What, what it really is, is you're jealous because their house is better than yours. Am I preaching right? You ever pull by somebody to get a brand new car? You're like, I'm just concerned. They put that on 72 months and it, they can't pay that. And, you know, I just, I'm just, I just, I'm just, I just want to take it to my prayer group. I just want to pray <laughs> about them. Somebody told me today they were walking out. They were a Mennonite. They were a Mennonite. And they say Mennonites don't gossip. They share. They share. And so <laughs> I like that. I'm just going to share, you ever been, I'm just going to share my concern. I'm going to share my concern. You're with your family, you leave, they're not parenting the way you parent, right? And you're just concerned about their, the well-being of their kids. I think their kid's are going to turn into an axe murderer someday. And I just, I just am concerned and I just want to, you know, tell other people about how awful of parents they are, but only because I'm concerned. Yeah, am, I, am I preaching right? We're just, we're just cons- concerned, right? Gossip often thrives upon secrecy. You don't want the other person, I don't want my phone picking up what I'm saying, right? It always contributes to a problem and never a solution. It always distorts and exaggerates, right? It always does that. Gossip is about making me look better at someone else's expense. Here's another thing gossip is. Gossip loves to share embarrassing information about someone else without their permission. It loves it. Gossip is not meant for any kind of good. Gossip. Now, in church... In church, we, we struggle with this because we are called to hold each other accountable. We are called to hold each other accountable. We are called in, in a family, right? We're a family. We are called to have difficult conversations with each other from time to time. Now, that happens. If you're a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and you tell people that are in your circle, don't judge me, you're an idiot. I'm preaching right. The Bible calls you. Like, you're like, don't judge me. Don't, no, that's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to judge the world. We're supposed to judge each other and say, hey, man, it doesn't look like you're lining up with where you're claiming to be. You're not fully, in this moment, I don't think you're fully submit to God, submissive to God. Man, explain to me what's going on. Let me, let me work through this with you. There, there's, there's an aspect of holding each other accountable. But the problem is, so many times, gossip and holding each other accountable, we don't spiritually understand it. We're not spiritually mature enough to comprehend it. And they get all messed up. So I, I explain gossip. Let me show you what holding each other spiritually accountable looks like in church. Outside of church, we don't hold each other accountable. Sinner is going to sin. Are you, like, I'm not yelling about people out. I'm talking about people inside the church. Jesus knew we were going to have a problem with this. And so Jesus tells us in Matthew 18, it's not in your notes, so just listen to it. He says, if a brother or sister sins, go point out their fault. Watch what this says. Just between the two of you. Remember that old Will Smith song? Just the two of us. You and me, right? Or you and I, whatever it was, right? I don't remember, right? Isn't this the difference between gossip and accountability? Gossip is not just between the two of us. Gossip is with everybody else. Holding somebody accountable, he says, listen, if somebody else is going through something in your circle, right? You have trust with them and you care for them and you, 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 you truly want them to become all that God has called them to be. He says, go just between the two of you. If they listen to you, he says, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take two 
one or two others, watch this really, really important word, along with you so that every matter may be established by the testimony or two or three witnesses. So here's what you do. You go to them, hey, this isn't going on. I don't know what's going on. I spoke to you about it. Yeah, I don't care. Man, forget you. I'm not changing. Well, that doesn't really make sense. So I'm going to go get two more of our friends that we really care about, and we're going to come together. We're not going to talk about the person and never get back to them. What are we going to do? We're all going to go together. We're going to have an intervention for this person. We're going to sit down. We all love you. We care about you. Nobody else knows about this struggle except for these people in this room, but we think you have some changing to do. Listen, accountability, you see, it's a circle, right? Whatever the story is, it gets back to the original source. Gossip is a line. It's a disgusting line. Gossip just starts, and it keeps going, and it never gets back to the source. It's spread. You ever been part of something where you don't even know the person, but you know what they did? You in church, I guarantee you have. You've heard something about somebody you've never even talked to before. You walk down the hall, you see them, you don't even make eye contact with them because of something you've heard from their brother's sister's dog. Did you hear about so-and-so? Gossip is, is a line. It just keeps break, breaking off. G gossip, one guy said, he's like, he's like it's like taking the, the, the toothpaste out of a toothpaste tub, squeezing it all over the place, and then trying to put the toothpaste back in it. It just continues to, to, to spread. What should I do if I'm a gossiper? So here's what I want you to do. I, if you struggle with gossip, and I'm going to tell you I do. I love gossip. Hey, right? <laughs> like sometimes you get, you're like, I don't, I don't struggle with that. I if I go to the grocery store, I still go to the magazine section. I pull it out. I see what people's lives are messed up. I judge them. I laugh at them. I ridicule them. If I tweet it, I would tweet it, right? Anybody, like, I'm, 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 anybody else? I love gossip. I love to hear a good story. I love when somebody's doing worse than me. I love when my, I feel better, right? I, I, love, I love that. Like that. If I'm just being honest with you, that's a real struggle for me. So what do I do if I struggle with gossip in my life? I start to establish how serious of an offense that it is to God. So here's just a few things you need to remember. Number one, if you struggle with gossip, here's the first thing you need to remember. God hates it. Write it down somewhere. I didn't say he hates you. I said God hates it. He hates it. In fact, it says it in Proverbs 6. Find gossip in this. The Bible says, there's six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Watch what it says. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that delivers wicked schemes, feet that are quick to run into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in your community. I can find, I find gossip all through that. A person who stirs up conflict, a person who pours out, listen, we don't call it lies, we exaggerate. A person who exaggerates, a person who has a lying tongue, a, a, a person who devises wicked schemes, God hates gossip. Here's why God hates gossip. Let me just explain this to you. Anybody have kids in this place? Come on, raise your hand. We, I know you have kids. There's a thousand of them over there right now, right? Every time I see somebody, they're pregnant again. I'm like, what the heck's going on? Slow down, right? And so, and, uh, I have three boys, and I grew up a pastor's son, and so sometimes people would know things about me that didn't even know me. I'm like, what are you, what? They're like, how's Southwestern going? I'm like, I don't even know your name. So you kind of live in this bubble where every, like if you ever ask pastor's kids, everybody knows everything about you. So the same thing is true for my kids. And here, here's the problem with most, most peace people is they think, this is why I try to tell you, I struggle with gossip and my kids aren't saved yet, right? And so like, I try to be really honest with you. So your expectations for us are very low, right? And so when we reach them, you're shocked, right? And so 
And so sometimes people think when you're, when you're a pastor's kid or you're, they're like, yeah, you should be perfect. You're raised by perfection. And so you should be, you should be perfect. And so what happens in churches is then your kids, they're obviously not perfect. My kids are far, far from it, right? And they're back there in the kids' wing, and they're being kids. They're there all Sunday. They're learning the same lesson three times. You know, it's, by the third time, they're like, this is, why are we here? I'm like, you have to be. Nobody else wants to watch you. And so, right? <laughs> and they've all had times where, where they've, 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 they've misbehaved. They get in trouble when they get home. But sometimes you hear things about them. They're so this or so that. They're so this. And, and as a parent, when you hear that, even though you already know that, because it's, it's, it's true. Well, yeah, of course it's true. If you, if you don't think your kid and my kid come out a wretched sinner, you have blinders on your eyes. They are, they are, they are sinful, wretched, rebellious. <laughs> right? Am I preaching right? Okay. So when, you, when I've heard that about some, somebody saying that, what, what was my initial reaction? Anger. They're my kids. You're talking bad about them. You're saying things about them I know are true. Obviously, they need grace and they need mercy and they're wretched. And so when you, when you and me, when we find Christ, we get adopted into the what? Into the family of God. God becomes our what? Heavenly Father. So when me and you begin to go around and we find all these people in our, in our church, we begin to gossip about them and talk about them and they're living in the grace of God and you're even speaking truth about them. And God says, I know that's true about them. Uh, but by the way, I also know a lot of things that are true about you that you probably don't want anybody else to know. And you begin to speak all these, these, these lies to people, or these, these, this, this, this gossip, is truth or lies, whatever, exaggeration, whatever it is. I just need you to understand that when you speak negatively about them to other people, here's what God would say. It pisses me off. You're like, he doesn't say that? I think he does. <laughs> it makes him angry because those are, so before you begin to speak about somebody again, you should think, who's their daddy? <laughs> who, who is their father? Should I be intimidated by, by him? Does he have the power of life and death in his hands? Listen, God hates gossip. Here's another thing that is true. Here's another thing. Just, just as a Christian, here's, here's where we, so we're very lenient on ourselves, right? We're very, like, we're very lenient on ourselves. We're very hard on everybody else. We're very lenient on ourselves. And here's, here's what the Bible says. You will be held accountable. Jesus said it. Watch what he says. Uh, Matthew 12. I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Not only does God hate it, but every time you gossip about something, true or false, sharing and concern, whatever it is, that doesn't make it back to that person that you take away from the Bible says you will be held accountable. And here's, here's the next thing, the next thing you need to understand. And somebody who gossips and never cares, doesn't feel convicted, isn't stirred by it, let me just be honest with you, I, I would question if you really know Jesus or not. An unfiltered mouth rarely ever biblically it's connected to an unsafe person or a safe person most of the time when we don't know christ we'll say whatever we want to say because we don't care but when you begin to have a relationship with jesus christ you understand how powerful that that your words words are that god hates it that you'll be held accountable and it's almost listen it's almost physically impossible to continue in that sin and be growing close to jesus christ in fact i want to read you a pretty big 
pretty big portion of scripture in Romans chapter 1, bigger than I norm normally do. I want you to see it. The Bible says, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, God gave them over to depraved minds so that they, ought, they, ought to, they do what they ought not to be done. They become filled with every kind of wickedness. Watch this list. Evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and mouse. Then he stops and he gives this whole thing a, a, a sentence. What does he say? They are what? They're gossips. They're slanderers. Next to so gossipers and slanderers, what's the word? They're God. Because you can't slander something God loves and love God. It's impossible. And God loves people. They're, they're God, the Bible says, God haters, it says. They're arrogant. They're boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. Why God put that in there? They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy, although they know God's righteous, righteous decree, that those who do such things deserve death. They not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. In other words, he says, you know the wrong, but you just find friends and do it with them anyways. Church. What do you do if you, if you come to this conclusion? I was like, oh man, I'm struggling with this. Here's what the Bible says to do in James 4. Watch what it says. It says, it says grieve, male, uh, mourn, and wail. Grieve, mourn. Take, in other words, take this serious. Uh, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom, he says. Stop taking this so lightly. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he'll lift you up. In other words, say, oh man, I do have a problem with this. And I don't think I can stop. And then, and then listen, because you have an appetite for it, you begin to fill that appetite with something else. So I read this awesome thing this week. It was like, what if instead of, instead of the type of gossip we do, what if we begin to reverse gossip? You know what reverse gossip is? What if everything, every time you talked about somebody, you bragged about them for this week? Let's go back to the house. What if when you left their house, you, you went to somebody, you, you left, you went to somebody else, and you, hey, like, man, you should see so-and-so's house. This is incredible. They've served the Lord for years and years and years, and they've tithed and they sacrificed. And the Bible says you reap what you, 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 you sow and you reap more than you sow. Man, God has blessed them, and they're such good stewards of what God's given them. And they hosted me, and then they, they made a meal for me. And it's just incredibly blessed. And I just want to celebrate God's blessing in their life. It's so amazing. I love them. Can you imagine that? They got a better car than me. It's incredible. They deserve it. Did you ever see their kids? Their kids are crazy awesome. They make my kids look awful. Our kids are well-behaved, doing a great job. Like, what if we just reversed God for the whole week? We just, every time we saw somebody, we just bragged about somebody else. Could you imagine how different this church would be? Let me just brag on this church. Let me just brag on these people. Let me just brag on my friends. Let me brag on my coworkers. Let me not get around the water cooler if that's even a thing anymore. Let me gossip. Let me brag about my boss. Let me, hey, hey, I, my kid's playing sports. My, my, my kid, my, let me brag about the coaches a little bit. Let me celebrate them for putting up with my kid. Right? He's mediocre anyways. Let me celebrate them. Let, let, me, let, me, let me brag on the umps for a second, right? Nobody wants to ump anymore because all we do is complain about let me, let me, Hey, that's an amazing strike zone you have. That's the biggest strike zone I've ever seen. Finally, my kid can throw it down the plate, right? <laughs> what do you do if you're a gossip? You take it serious. You take it serious. Number two is this. This is another question that I think often is asked of ourselves is, what should I do if someone's gossiping to me? So, okay, here's the thing. You stop gossiping. You're like, okay, I'm gonna stop gossiping. But you live in a culture of gossipers. Let's be honest. So I'm going to get my, my tongue under, I'm, I'm going to watch what I say, I'm going to take serious what the Bible says, but now I'm surrounded by other gospels. And so he, here's the first thing you got to do. If, 
If you are surrounded by people that like to gossip, the first thing you got to remember is birds of a feather flock together. It walks like a duck, it talks like a duck. It's a duck. In other words, the reason so many people feel comfortable around you, gossiping to you, is because you're a gossip. So here's the thing. We're, we're in question number two, but you don't get to collect $200 and get here. You need to go back to question number one. You need to settle in question number one and say to yourself, before you go to question number two, okay, everybody wants to gossip around me, so that probably means that I'm also a gossiper. So I need to go back to question number one and work on that and then move forward. And as I move forward, okay, how do I handle now stepping outside of a culture that is filled with gossipers? Because here's the thing about it. If I challenge you and said, hey, don't gossip at all this week, a lot of you would have nothing to say. You ever been in a, in a conversation with somebody else and tried not to gossip about anything? You'll be like, oh, nah, shh. <laughs> it's so natural. Yeah, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Yeah, that's really sad. We should pray for them. What, what, what did they do again? You just stay silent in the, in the conversation. And so what do you do if, if you're trying to stay away from gossip, but you're surrounded by a culture that's gossiping. Well, the first, the, here's what I, like if you have mold in your house and you just wipe the mold away, you just wipe it away, right? You don't get to the bottom, it's just gonna grow back, right? You ever have mold, you just wipe it away, you're like, I don't fix it. The reason mold's growing is because there's a conducive environment. So the reason so many people gossip to you and you're trying to stop gossiping is because you are a conducive environment to gossip. You actually enjoy it. So you go back to question number one, then you move forward, and he here's what you do. And I'm going to teach you something that we learned about years ago as a staff. And we, we have not hit this mark all the time. We were early church. Uh, we brought a, a, a person in to help us get prepared for our next steps, our next growth. And so we said, hey, work us through staff things, work us through issues. We did all this team building things. We're all crying. You ever been doing something like that? You don't even know why you're crying, but you're crying and, and you're thanking each other and you're and like all this stuff's going on. And then she worked us through some things. She said, hey, number one thing that's going to destroy your, your church and your staff is disunity. Disunity is destroyed through gossip. And so you need to work on a gossip policy. And I'm just going to give you the gossip policy that if I'm right, I'm implementing in my life, my family, my work, my, my, my teams, everywhere that I go. Here's my gossip policy. Here's the first thing you do. As soon as you begin to hear gossip, gossip is secret. Gossip is, a, you know, it, it comes off as I care about that person, but you don't really because you're not ever going to go back to them. Here's the first thing you do. You just call it what it is. You just say, hey, we're gossiping. They start talking, I think this is gossip. Gossip! <laughs> gossip! Yeah, but let me do it. No, gossip! Right? You just, just, you just cut them off. And you, you just call it what it is. You even get the Bible out. Ephesians 4. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Hey, we're letting unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, and this is not helpful for anything in our lives. We need to stop. We're going to call it what it is. But if they insist on keep talking, you say, okay, here, I don't want to know anymore. You're gossiping. I'm going to call it what it is, and here's what I need you to do. It sounds like you're pretty concerned for this person. I know you love them. I believe in your motives and your heart, so here's what I want you to do. In 24 hours, the next 24 hours, I want you to take this concern back to the person you're talking about and speak directly to them. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hold you accountable and make sure you did it. 
The next time they come to you, they're not going to talk. They're going to talk to somebody else. Because they're going to make me not sin. And I like this sin, right? Like the bad sins send you to hell, I'm good with. I don't do those. But gossip, I like it. No, no, hey, next 24 hours, I'm going to make sure I'll call them, call you, make sure you're good, make sure you've, you've, you've gotten this concern, see how they're doing, all this stuff, make sure they knew that I knew about it, and we'll move forward. I'm going to call it what it is, I'm going to hold them accountable, and I'm going to remember this truth. Here's the truth she taught us. She said, someone who is gossiping to you about others is also gossiping to others about you. That's important. There's relationships that I had in my life that I realized, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be friends with them. If they're gossiping to me about somebody else, they're leaving this place and they're gossiping with them about me. So I'm going to make sure I remember that truth. Proverbs 20 says, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. Just to be honest with you, there's people in your church circle you should not hang out with. Just being honest. You're like, hey, that's mean. That's the Bible says. You say, hey, listen, man, I think, you, I think we have a gossip. Our whole relationship is built on gossip. All we've ever done is gossip. And the Bible says not to gossip, so we shouldn't spend time together because all we do is gossip together. We should maybe take a break from each other, go fix this problem, then we can come back and try it out again. If it doesn't work the second time, we're done, right? I got to break up with you. What do I do if somebody's gossiping about me? You, you, you take it serious. You, you, you hold them accountable. Let me just give you one more, more question. Number three is this. What should I do if someone is gossiping about me? Okay. What do I do if I'm a gossiper? Take it serious. Do what God's calling you to do. Read the Bible, right? What do you do if somebody's gossiping to you? You, you call it what it is. You hold them accountable. You, you remember that truth. Let me just talk about the third thing. What do you do then when somebody's gossiping about you? Now, I want to preference this, and I want to say, make sure you understand. This is not what I want to do. This is what I should do. Anybody? <laughs> I don't always want to tithe, but that's what the Bible tells me to do. That's what I should do. I don't always want to serve. That's what I should do. I don't, when I was sitting outside last week in, in, in June, June, cool, brisk air of Colorado, and we were having outside church, which people always have, well, why don't you have outside church? I'm like, what, for what? What are you going to look at? And so, but in Colorado, you have outside church, and it was outside and, and all around me, the continental divide, which I learned about in school, was behind me, which is the mountains that separate the, the water to the Pacific and the water to the Atlantic. Don't be oppressed. He told me that last week, and so... But it's mountains, and then there was a mountain off to the left and a mountain off to the right, and we were outside and we were having church, and I was thinking to myself, I could do this. I don't listen, I'm called to Pennsylvania, but I don't always want to live in Pennsylvania. Anybody else? I've been searched. We were up in Easton yesterday. I was looking for mountains. There's no mountains up there. The poking nose, smoking nose, right? Like, come on now. And so, like, I, I don't always want to put this, the difference, there's a difference, what you want to do, what you should do. So I'm going to tell you what you should do, not what you want to do. When somebody's gossiping about you, what do you want to do? You want to confront them, you want to gossip them, you gossip about them, you want to tell everybody they're wrong, you want to tell everybody they're lying, you want to do all these things. What should you do? Well, the Bible says in Proverbs 26, don't answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will become just like him. I don't know how many times I've quoted this verse to my kids. Hey, they're, they're acting like a fool right now. Don't get mad because you act like a fool just like them. What should I do? Well, here, here's the three things I realized about, about, about gossip. One is this, is gossip, when I gossip back, it reinforces the hurt. So people are going to talk bad about you. You do anything. You lead anything, right? Anything. You do anything with your life, people are going to have an opinion about you. It doesn't matter what you do. 
Whatever business you own, I was at a nine-year-old baseball game yesterday and the umpire was there. And listen, nobody wants to umpire your kids' games anymore. You tracking with me? They get paid $35 a day or a game and all of us that are sitting on the sideline think we can do it better. So they had this guy ump umping and his strike zone was huge. He's umping nine-year-old baseball. And so you're like, it's good for a big, huge strike zone because they don't throw it over the plate. And the coaches are in a huddle as the game is going on in between innings and just kind of gossip in a, look at this guy. And they're looking back, look at his strike zone. I'm thinking, we gossip about everybody. If you do anything, people are going to gossip about you. So, so what do you do? Gossip reinforces hurt. Getting even restricts my life. When you get even, you say, I'm going I'm I'm to get even. I'm going to say, I'm going to tell them what's up. I'm going to go after them. That, that, that keeps the presence and power of God away from your life. Here, here's what I found out, though. If gossip reinforces and getting even restricts, God reduces my pain. God reduces my, my, my pain. I'm going to teach you something today. I'm going to teach you what I've done. And so I realized when I was 25 years old, if I do this job long term, people are going to have a lot of things to say about it. I'm gonna say stuff about your clothes, your preaching, your face, stuff about your kids. They're gonna say stuff about your church. They're gonna say stuff about how loud your music is, right? I mean, your music's too loud. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Do you hear about their music? It's devil music in there because it's loud. It, it says somewhere in the Bible. Hell is loud, right? Burning loud. And so, gossip, gossip, gossip. What are, you, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do when somebody says something about you? What do you do when a friend says something about you you thought was your friend? What do you, what do, you do? What do, what do you do? And so I wanna teach you what, what I was taught years ago you should do. First Peter chapter two is my life verse. My life verse when it comes to this. If I got a tattoo, I would put this on my arm somewhere. And so, cause it's that significant to me. I go back to it anytime I hear anything that I know is probably not true and sometimes I hear things that are true but they're not coming to me they're coming in a, in a line somewhere so sometimes people say stuff about you that's true like it's just the way it is when somebody says you're messed up they are being true right like so here's what I do first Peter chapter 2 verse number 23 he says this it's talking about Jesus what did he do when he dealt with people he's on the cross they're making fun of him they're gossiping they got a sign up on top mocking him they're ripping out his beard they're spitting on him they're bumping elbows you see this guy up here like what did Jesus do when he went to that first Peter chapter 2 says verse 23 when they hurled their insults at him he did not retaliate when he suffered he made no threats I always see Jesus, if I'm Jesus in this moment and they're messing with me, I'm like, dude, I'm coming off the cross. Just, just hold my nails for a second. <laughs> it would be awesome if that was in the Bible. The Roman soldiers were mocking him and ridiculing him. He came down and killed them all and then got back on the cross, right? But he just hung there. By the way, in America, we don't picture him. He's probably naked. I mean, he's, he's beat to a pole all over. Like he, he wasn't just whipped on his back. He was beat everywhere. I mean, this is the most shameful position anybody can ever be in and uh, very vulnerable. And the Bible says that he doesn't threaten them. Instead, what does the Bible say he does? He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. I love that. There's a, there's a concept that early church knew about um, where they, 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 they understood that the, the fact is if God's for you, nobody can be against you. You ever read that in scripture? No, nobody in your life, in your, in your circle, in your context that you work with, nobody can stop God's plan for your life except for you. That, that is so freeing to me. Nobody has the power to say, you know what, it's over for you, except for you and God. And God, he says it's never over. 
So I just, every time I get into a situation where I hear something and I, I want to fight back and I want to argue and I want to point fingers and, and I hear a lie and I want to throw a lie back or even a truth or I want to exaggerate or I want to stick up for myself, or I just go back to First Peter and I just go, okay, what did Jesus do on the cross? He didn't come down. I wish he would have. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly and he completed what God had called him to complete. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he did that. That was, that was for me and you. He, he died on the cross for us. And it just reminds me, okay, take a deep breath. Keep your mind and your eyes focused on Jesus. It's going to be okay. If I gossip back, it, it's going to hurt me. It, it, if I get even, it's going to restrict me. Listen, instead of going to the phone when I'm hurt, guess where I'm going to go? I'm going to go to the throne. Instead of talking to everybody else, can you believe they said that about me? Yeah, yes, I can. We're people. We are awful to each other. Instead, I'm going to trust in God. What am I going to do? If I struggle with gossip, I'm going to have an evaluation. This is really hard. And so you do a sermon. When I do a sermon, I say, hey, you struggle with addiction, you struggle with pornography, you struggle with this, struggle with that. People come into this place every week. That hits home, right? I'm struggling. I need Jesus Christ. You know what's really hard to preach to? Religious people. Religious people. Because you come into this place, you can hear this message and be like, I'm fine. I'm going to heaven. I got the grace of God. Do you know Jesus? Because if you keep in a, in a habit of gossiping without any conviction, the Bible says in James that you're, those that don't control their tongue, that their religion is worthless. And I think there's a lot more people that know it that your religion is worthless. It leads to no change. It leads to no conviction. It, it, it leads to no humility. It, it, it leads to no uncomfortableness. All oh, I got stuff to work on in my life. And we just kind of go through. So sometimes these messages are hard to hear because we're like, I don't, he must be talking to somebody else. But I can guarantee you this is a big problem. And here's why this is such an important message. The Bible says where there's no unity, God can't bless. And I think he, when I've studied scriptures this week, one of the reasons there's not unity in church is because gossip is prevalent. One of the reasons the church is dying in America is because we are experts at gossiping about each other instead of lifting each other up. And so I, I just felt this, man, if we could get this, like I want this church to be different. Anybody else? Like when I'm away from you guys, I'm thankful for you. I got to be honest with you. Like I, I, lo I love being at Journey Church and it's not just because I'm the pastor of it. Like I, I love you. I love being around you. I love your energy. I love how excited you are to be here. I love watching you park cars and, 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 and teach kids and make coffee. I love the hats you're wearing from Father's Day today. They're awesome. I love, I love you, you guys. But I, I think that God wants to do more in our church. Anybody else? I think he wants to reach more people. I think he wants to bring more people that don't know Christ into this place. And so, man, this is something. I feel like God said, hey, get this under control. I don't know if it's a problem or not. I think we got a pretty good church. But pretty good is not good enough. I think, I think great organizations and great churches are always evaluating and always working. So, man, I have a problem with gossip. I want to get it, get it right with God. My, my circle is surrounded by gossip. I need to either separate or correct in this situation. Man, I'm carrying around the pain of somebody else's gossip. I need to trust it into God's hand. There's something for me to do to continue to become who God has called me to be. Would you stand to your feet and would you bow your heads and close your eyes all over this house? I gave an altar call in first service that is very specific. And I, I, I just, when I was praying and preparing, this, this, this is what God spoke. Now, there is still an opportunity if you don't know Jesus Christ and you're broken and you're lost and you're at rock bottom. Of course, of course, give your life to him today. He'll take you like you are. 
He'll forgive you, he'll redeem you, he'll restore you, and he'll set you free. Of course, that, 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 that moment is here for you, and I love to pray with you as we close. But God spoke to me very specifically about another group of people here today. A little, little more raw, a little more truthful, way more difficult to reach. So the religious person is really hard to reach, even in the Bible because they have this appearance of godliness. Like they, 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 they know God. They have, a, they have a understanding of God. They have a concept of God. They went to school. Like there's kids that grow up in Christian school and go to VBS and, 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 and they do all the right things and they have this concept of God. But, but the truth is when you hear stuff like this, it doesn't move you at all. It doesn't move you. Like you're not like, oh yeah, it's, it's kind of, the spirit of God is not alive and living in you. He's not sharpening you. He's not convicting you. In fact, sometimes you leave in moments like this, you're just mad because it feels like you, 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 were, you were yelled at today. That's conviction, by the way. It's from God. And if you're honest, you don't have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. It's one of humility and one of awareness and one of a desire to change and a desire to grow and, and a desire to become all that he has called you to be. And even in, in times like this, you just check out. Check out. I get it. I was there last week. I was in the same seat you were in, in, a, in an outside church. And when he started the altar call, he asked everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. I, I, I even felt myself, just check out. It's not for me. So I think there's work for all of us today. I struggle with gossip. There's work, man. Start to press into God. Humble yourself in his sight. Ask for help. Some of you, your relationships are built around gossip, and you're going to need some courage to kind of separate yourself from those relationships. Some of you, 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 you've been hurt. Maybe, maybe it's all those things are true of you. You've been hurt and you've been wanting to fight back. And man, you just need to entrust yourself to the one who judges justly. And all those things need to happen. But some of you, you just need to check back into reality. The Bible is really clear that at the end, uh, many people are going to step from, from this planet into eternity. And they're going to have expected to be in heaven. They're going to expect it. They're going to have done church. They're going to have, the Bible says, prophesied in his name and, and, and done all these religious actions. You know the activities. You got your kid confirmed, went to Catholic school. You, 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 have, a, you have a tombstone somewhere. You did all this, these, these church things. You don't even know what they mean, but you've done them. They're going to get to heaven, and, and they're going to expect to go there, and they're going to hear, depart from me. I never knew you. And I think it, as a pastor, it, it, it's, it's scary because I think it's going to happen more than we think it is. So the Bible says to have a holy, holy fear or reverence, to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Because it's a big deal. So there's a constant evaluation. Okay, God, when this happens, does this stir me? When I read these messages about gossip, does it, is it convicting me? Is it stirring me? Because that means that I have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. But some of you, maybe you don't. And, and, the, and the reality is, um, it's probably because you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I know that's hard to hear. Like, it's like, man, that's, that's. And I just felt a really strong, strong urge to speak there as I close the service out. I have religion, but I don't know Jesus. I have knowledge, but my heart has never been yielded to him. I go through the motions. The Bible says I'm like a whitewashed tomb. It looks good on the outside, but if you get me alone, if you uh, get me in a car, if you hear the way I speak, if you could get inside of my thoughts, if you could 
see who I really was? It doesn't look anything like somebody who has a knowledge and a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I realized that. And I prayed that the Spirit of God would open up blind eyes today. Sometimes I, I think we miss that. You can be blind for so long that you don't even know what it looks like to see. So there's those that know, they need to know Christ and you know it. Ah, oh, I need to. And there's others that you're, you've been blinded, but man, something's happening in your life right now. And like a Paul moment. Remember when Paul was going to kill Christians and Jesus blinded him, right? And then took off his, his, his blindness and he could see for the very first time. And not only did he have physical sight back, but he had spiritual sight. This super religious guy that didn't know Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, I need you to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to feel that conviction in my life. I want to be all that you've called and created me to be. My religion, it's worthless if I'm honest right now because it's not leading me to become the person you created me to be. So Jesus Christ, I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I felt very specifically, might just be one person in all three of our services. I don't know Jesus Christ like that, but I need to. Your sermon opened my eyes. There's things in my life that do not align with him, but today I need him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. So let me, if you're here, you don't know him, you're at rock bottom, he's there. If you're here and you're standing and you think you're on top of the world, but really you're on shaky ground, and you need to humble yourself in this moment and say, you know, I don't know Christ, but I need to, he's there for you. He'll meet you wherever you're at, wherever you're at, if you humble yourself. So let me, let me just ask you, those that don't know the Lord, you need to. I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I need to put my faith in Him. I believe in His work. He finished the work on the cross. He died for me for my sins. He was placed in a tomb on the third day. He rose in power. It's through Him that I become a brand new person. I've been in church my whole life, and I've never received that. I know that happens because it happened to me. But today, something's being revealed to me. I've been going through the motions, but I don't want to anymore. I need to fully submit my life to Jesus Christ. Whether you're at rock bottom, or this is the first time, and you, the, like, literally the blinders have been taken off, and you realize, I don't have a fully devoted relationship with Jesus Christ, but I want to. If you're in this place, I want to pray with you as we close. If you're in Montgomeryville, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I need Jesus Christ to heal me, make me whole, forgive me, and set me free. If you're in this place all over our houses, front to back, side to side, nobody looking around for just a moment. If that's you, would you just begin to shoot your hand straight towards heaven? I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I need him to heal me. I need him to make me whole. I need him to forgive me. I need him to set me free. I'm going to give you a minute to respond in Montgomeryville. I need Jesus Christ to heal me and make me whole. I see a hand all the way up in the top of the bleachers. I see a hand all the way up there. first step of humility is saying, you know what? I need Jesus. I need Jesus Christ. I need him to heal me and make me whole. Is there anybody else who would say, hey, Pastor Steve, that's me. I don't know Jesus, but I need to. I need him to heal me and forgive me and set me free. Let's begin to pray. Lord, today uh, we take your word seriously. Simple as that. Lord, we have, we have a lot of cafeteria Christians in our world. We go in like a buffet and we pick out what we want to follow and what we don't want to follow. And, and, and a lot of us, we won't take serious 
intimately enough the, the words of your scripture that tell us to take a survey, a census, an evaluation spiritually of who we are. And this is one of those messages that it is a great indicator of who we are in you. That a lot of us struggle with gossip. And if that's true, as we're found in you, God, conviction will come into our life and Lord, it will almost become gross to us. It will begin to change in us. We won't have an appetite any anymore for that. The, 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 the blessing of that is unity and, 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 and oneness and, and, and you moving in our lives. So we thank you in advance for how you're, you're stirring and, and you're moving. For some of us, it's personally. For some of us, it's relationally. There's relationships that we need to literally stop, stop being in. We need to stop hanging out with. Not because we're better than them, but because we have work to do still. Others of us in this place, Lord, we need to let go of, of, our, of our ability to, to, to find offense and to, and to get even, Lord. And we just need to entrust you uh, and entrust our hurt to you and entrust our pain to you and entrust this situation to you. And Lord, I thank you for those that are, and maybe for the first time or, or, or maybe for the first real time, like they're saying, you know what? Today is the day that I fully surrender my life to you, Jesus Christ. Would you heal me? Would you forgive me? Would you set me free? Would you restore me? Would you begin to make me the person you, that you've called and created me to be? Lord, thank you for that. Lord, thank you for that. Would you sweep this church uh, with, with controlled tongues, Lord, that we are people that, that bring life everywhere that we go. Would this be a different church? I, I, I think we would all agree that our, our world needs a different church. Our, our world needs a church that takes serious what, what your word calls us to, Lord. So we're, we're committed to that, and we're grateful because of that, that our best days are still ahead of us. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for all that you've done here today. In Jesus' name we pray. One more time, all over our houses, would you shout amen? amen. Would you clap together? Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.